Hey, Poison Pals. Welcome back to That Shit is Poison. This is episode 19. Not that it matters. Not that anyone's counting, but here we are, episode 19, with your host, Harini Bot, And your other host, Megan Gesner. Megan, you're not the other host. You are the host. I am the host. <laughs> Hell you yeah. Are we, we are the fucking host. <laughs> we are the hosts. Yeah, you're the hosts of this show that you are listening to right now in your ear holes. Mm -hmm. So we are asking you to relax, sit down. We're doing this a little bit early, but you know what? We want you to settle in right at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) So quiet down, quiet down. I can hear you all chitter chattering. So Mm -hmm. quiet down and sit down for this nonsense we're about to tell you. It's story time. That's honestly what it is. Crisscross applesauce right now, kids. Mm. Oh my God. Pizza pie. Pizza pie. (laughs) I don't get that. Why did they say that? Because, I don't know, children relate to food items more than anything else. It's true. It's true. You know what? Did I ever tell you that when I was in second grade, my dad made a guest appearance in my classroom? Oh, he did? Why? Yeah. (laughs) He made a guest appearance because he did some science magic tricks in our class. Like he did some chemistry um, magic where he like turns like different things, different colors and stuff like that. And the whole time I was just like horrified of seeing my dad in a school setting. (laughs) That's so funny. Papa B doing some science for the kids. I feel like every person. Okay, not every person, Mm -hmm. but I remember... You know how when you're in elementary school, they always are like, parents, come volunteer your time, you know, Mm -hmm, like to sit in the mm -hmm. class, help with the reading for the day, blah, blah, blah. And I do remember, I think probably my mom did it once and my dad did it once. And it's always that weird Mm -hmm. feeling of like, oh, my God, like my parents are going to be the ones volunteering today where you're like, you know, you're going to be embarrassed. But at the same time, you're like secretly excited to have them. Yeah, exactly. You know, kind of like, like, oh, these are my my parents now, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's like their time to shine. These are my family, my folks. Yeah, I do totally get that. You know what always kind of wigged me out as like a little kiddo? Because I'm I'm recalling, I feel like maybe it wasn't second grade. Maybe it was like third grade. But also, like, I have, I feel like I have memories from preschool, too. It was, like, preschool and third grade where they volunteered. But, like, what also, what I remember observing at such a young age is when my parents did Mm -hmm. volunteer, Mm -hmm. they would have, of course, the teacher and the the parent is always chummy, right? And it would blow my mind because I would remember being like, I fucking hate this teacher. Why are they being so nice to my parent? Like, it confused me, you know? Like, why is this parent being... Like, why are they being so chummy? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, right, right, right. Now they're friends, question mark. Um, but that's just me being a kid, not understanding how authority works and how adult behavior works. So completely, completely. I, f- I forget if I have already said this on the podcast, but the reason why I remember so distinctly and clearly that it was my second grade class, because mm-hmm. my second grade teacher was my favorite, favorite teacher all mm. of elementary school and probably middle school too, honestly. But Aww. she was so great that like she was single at the time that we that she had taught us in our class. But during the time that she was teaching us in that year, uh, one of her former students had set her up with her uncle who was mm. also single and mm-hmm. he would visit visit our class and like send her flowers or like give her flowers like cute little things like that in the middle of us singing like La Bamba because they would make us sing songs like that (laughs) in second grade Um, (laughs) but 
Anyways, so they got married at the end of the year and we were all so sad. Like we didn't understand, again, like mm. adult mechanics that we weren't, our whole class wasn't invited to her wedding. Yeah. So then she did her whole wedding again just for our class uh-huh. at Hilltop Park in San Diego. If you guys know oh, where Hilltop yeah. Park is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it was sweet. so sweet. Yeah. So I have a picture with her and my best friend at the time. Yeah. Uh, with her in her wedding dress. It was really nice. Oh, that's so sweet. And like, I do know there are many stories of teachers like inviting their whole class to like, like a wedding gathering or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I don't work in education. And part mm-hmm. of me is like, I know I wouldn't want 30 <laughs> screaming children at my wedding. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> no. But I mean, moral of that story is... Yes to our teachers. Yes. Thanks. We We're thank also you for thankful everything. for our teachers. Totally. Yes. Much needed. Should we do what the people came here for? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to it. Megan, ready? It's Megan's time to tell the story. So, Megan, please pick your poison, girl. Yes, I shall. So, today, we're going to be talking about ricin. <laughs> no! Oh, no! <laughs> I took it. We oh really need to write down like what we plan on talking about so I don't freaking steal your stuff. I think actually for people who are super big into espionage and like spycraft, you'll you'll probably be familiar with what I'm going to talk about. This is commonly known as the Bulgarian Umbrella Murders. And I think there's even a show on Netflix called Spycraft where yeah. they talk mm-hmm. about the mechanics of this particular incident and the umbrella used to um, so assassinate good. the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to talk about ricin and we're going to talk about this umbrella assassination of Georgi Markov, who was yeah, a yeah. Bulgarian dissident slash defector from Bulgaria, who is highly uh, critical of communist Bulgaria and all that. So... As he should be. <laughs> At the time, yeah. So so let's start with introducing Georgi Markov. And okay. then we will talk about his life briefly. And then talk about the mm-hmm. day of his assassination. And then toxicity. That's kind of like my my structure for this, all my stories at this point. This so. is your lesson plan for the day. Yeah. For us kiddos. Yes. <laughs> Any questions are welcome. Okay. <laughs> yes. Megan is the teacher today. Okay. So... Before we begin, what's it called? Cre- credits? Sources. No. Sources. <laughs> sources. Yes. So my sources today, lots of Wikipedia, just unabashedly Wikipedia. That's okay. I do have some credible sources. There's an article hosted on the Springer Link Journal website, Science Direct <laughs> Journal as well. The Journal of the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology. Okay. Um, what a long Yeah, name. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've got multiple articles from The Guardian that took place during the time of these events. So like articles Ooh, from that. 1978. Very, very mm. interesting to read those. Some articles from the National Library of Medicine, an interview from BBC News, NPR, Radio Free Europe, and the Forensics Library. Wow. That's a lot of sources. <laughs> Good job, Megan. So those are my sources today. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So Georgi Markov, he was born in 1929 in Bulgaria and grew up in communist Bulgaria because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about current Bulgaria. 
But oh no, no, no. yeah, they are not communists anymore. But that was the politics at the time for that country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So born in 1929, he actually originally studied industrial chemistry and worked as a chemical engineer and taught at a technical school for the early parts of his life. But after a very severe bout of tuberculosis in his late teens, Mm -hmm. he Mm -hmm. decided to discover or not decided to discover, but he got into writing. And like, I think that was his way of kind of dealing with being bedridden and just like, you know, writing and exploring philosophy and things like that. Emphasis um, on bed written. <laughs> but I'm sorry. He discovered writing in his late teens, and there's not a really well kept record of when he like officially started publishing his work. Mm-hmm. And actually, that might be because of how he is censored later on due to his, you know, his philosophies and stuff. But it's kind of believed that. Around 1957, he starts producing novels. So I think 1957, he's like in his late 20s. He's in his he's in his sure. late 20s at this point. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he starts producing novels, and he's pretty prolific. He's dropping novels about every two years, and is recognized wow. by the Union of Bulgarian Writers, which mm. apparently. They have to extend you membership into the union in order to mm-hmm. actually become a prof- professional writer. So oh. that's what happens. He's recognized by this this union. He's extended membership. He starts an actual career bec- being a professional writer and playwright. So he's famous for like two collections of short stories and several plays. But the problem was his plays were increasingly anti-Stalinist, anti-communist. And as a result, those plays were pretty much removed from circulation by sure. communist censors. Sure. This is a very brief early life history. A lot That's of this is totally cool. Because the, the, yeah. the actual yeah. meat of the story is like when the thing happens. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So in 1969, he decides to go westward and visit his brother in Italy. Mm. But also, like, he knows at this time because of the work and literature he's putting out that he isn't really in good standing with the Bulgarian authorities. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just going to go westward for a bit to, you know, <laughs> just lay low, um, avoid any, <laughs> yeah, to lay low, avoid any tensions. And I'll wait out these tensions and eventually come back. Mm-hmm. But he ends up like loving the West yes. um, and ends up staying. But also he ends up staying because Bulgaria does ultimately deny an extension on his passport. And is like, oh. you're, yeah, like if you come back, you will be imprisoned for like leaving and writing this stuff about communist <sighs> Bulgaria. Well, that is just yeah. a hard decision to make. I guess I'll just stay in Italy then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, the- so yeah, so he starts, he starts in Italy, but then he moves to London in 1972 and is promptly employed at BBC as part of the BBC World Service branch. Mm. He also picks up work with two other broadcasting services, one being Deutsche Welle, which is a German public state-owned international broadcaster, and the other being Radio Free Europe, which is actually a U.S. government-funded station um, that broadcasts news to like countries in Eastern Europe, Central Asia, parts of the world where freedom of information is banned or manipulated by government authorities sort of thing. Cool. Yeah. And he's just loving 
London, even his plays that were censored in Bulgaria are being picked up. Awesome. So he's loving his life. And he was described <laughs> as kind of, a, <laughs> he was described as a uh, kind of like bohemian dude, like yeah. very not made for the communist right. Bulgaria. He was free-loving um, person. Free, yeah, f- <laughs> exactly. Free-loving <laughs> and loving of capitalism and freedom of expression and yes, things like yes, that, you know? Yeah. He's pretty much thriving in this industry where he could be openly dissident and engage in conversation that critiqued communism slash Bulgaria and Bulgarian politics. One of his biggest targets of criticism was the Bulgarian State Council chairman named Todor Zivkov. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually even had a whole segment dedicated to these critiques on Radio Free Europe. Europe, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that... Is who he was. Mm-hmm. Very interesting Still in person. 1970. Yeah. He's just like a writer who was expressive through media sort of well, thing. People compare him to Alexei Navalny. Like in some of the oh, articles really? I read, they were like, yeah, they were like, he was like the OG Alexei Navalny oh, that's sort of dope. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, because yeah. I was going to say like he is, he's not like super political in the sense like Alexei Navalny is like actually like trying to like create an, his own like political party and like get mm. seats and like the government Correct. and things like that but he's like yeah. still like voicing his opinion he's ex- he, he's a person of expression like you said whatever that might Correct. be of his own opinion mm-hmm. and creativity but i find this so interesting because this is although this is still like an eastern european story that is again like we mm-hmm. said a theme in some of our stories that we or episodes that mm-hmm. we do he's so different and i kind of love that like he's he's more like artsy so yeah, I'm very I, curious I to see too. how this works out, <laughs> like yeah, how, why he gets poisoned. Felt... Right, right. Okay, so we'll keep in mind. I, like I said, he was a big critic of mm-hmm. the Bulgarian party leader, who was Todor Zivkov. So just keep that name in mind. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so in the same year of 1972, the Union of Bulgarian Writers, you know, that the that union mm-hmm. that extended him membership and all that, they actually suspended his membership and retracted it. And they end up censoring all his work in Bulgaria. Mm. All of his work that's in bookstores or libraries is taken off the shelves. Ugh. And they're totally eliminated from circulation. His name is literally not discussed in the media until mm-hmm. like 1989 which wow. is 10 years wow. after his poisoning yeah dang okay. so obviously he has a huge impact yeah. on the soviet side of things <laughs> yeah i don't know if you if you have this answer but is the reason why he's mm-hmm. making such a splash in bulgaria is because is he one of the only people speaking out against the the communist regime so I would say the answer is no. I think because of his access to like Radio Free Europe and Deutsche Welle mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. fact that he's working for BBC makes him a pretty impactful individual. But sure. as you'll find out later in the story, there is happens to be another Bulgarian man who actually goes through a very similar situation mm. as Georgi Markov. So mm-hmm. the answer to your question is he's not the only one. But he's the only one I truly did research on. So. <laughs> no, no, that's uh, as you should have, as you should have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, continue. <clears throat> Good question. So here we go. All right, here's, here's the day. Yeah, here, here's okay. here's how it goes. Full disclosure: the timeline of the following events are just a little bit unclear. Like small, small things, or like time of day and things like that are a little unclear because 
those articles I referenced about in The Guardian, mm-hmm. some of them, because those were articles that happened following his assassination, his poisoning, all that, they themselves were just getting information in that time. So sometimes some of the language is a little bit um, conflicting, mm-hmm. but I'll try to make it as clear as possible. Mm-hmm. So on September 7th, 1978, in the bustling city of London town. <laughs> Love it. Beep, beep, Hong Kong. Boop, boop. <laughs> set the stage georgi markov mm-hmm. is on his way home from work from bush house which is the headquarters for bbc world services okay even that detail i am slightly unsure of in terms of is he actually heading home from work because later on in these guardian articles they'll be like oh the the events of his poisoning happened and then he went back to work and then he went back home but mm-hmm. then like other articles will be like he was going home Regardless, okay. let's just say he was going home okay. from work. Okay, okay sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He forgot to clock back out, so that's why he went yeah, back, yeah. and then he went back home. Right. That's what it is. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We figured it out. So on his way home, he takes the bus from Waterloo Bridge, mm-hmm. and so he's waiting at this Waterloo Bridge station, yeah. waiting to catch mm-hmm. the bus, mm-hmm. and while he's waiting at the stop, he suddenly feels a sharp pain in the back of his leg. Something very similar to like when someone pinches you or there's an insect bite or some sort of sting. It's like very quick in the back of his leg. And as a reaction, he like immediately turns Mm -hmm. and he sees a man behind him, you know, accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally kind of pushing his umbrella tip into his leg. And then that man drops the umbrella, quickly bends over to pick up the umbrella and goes... I'm very sorry. And hustles across the street and hails a taxi and disappears. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, Let's back it up. Yeah. So he. Okay. <laughs> so this man. <laughs> sorry. This man <laughs> pushes this umbrella into his leg, then drops it, yeah. and then runs away. I mean, yes and no. So imagine it. Like, I want you. I'm gonna see if I can get you to imagine you're in Markov's place. So okay, imagine okay, you're okay. like. You're just standing, waiting for the bus to show up. Mm-hmm. And then you feel this sting. Mm-hmm. And you see behind you, like, someone quickly accidentally bump their umbrella into you. Sort of sure. like, oops, like, I just, like, I didn't mean to, like, stick you, you know? And <laughs> the guy drops it, but then picks it up. He, like, oh. he like sticks him. Sticks him and is, like, oh, fumbles it. Like, mm-hmm, oops. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an accident. Right, right. Picks it up and is, like, oh, I'm sorry. And then uh-huh. goes across the street to okay. call a taxi. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. so I thought he just dropped it and then left the umbrella there and walked away because that would be really odd <laughs> if he just dropped that would the be umbrella. Odd. No, no, no. Okay. And no, no, he, he picks it up. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> That's it? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to say the reason why I really was transported is because I've been on that exact bridge and at mm. that exact station. Dave and yeah. I were in London for 2020 New Year's before mm-hmm. everything happened, but we went to yeah. the Waterloo Station to catch the tr- the the trolley. No, it's not the trolley. It's just the damn train. Oh, we're catching the train to <laughs> yeah. Hampton Court Palace. But there is that bridge there, and we walked mm-hmm. across that bridge, and I'm just imagining that. I'm like, damn. Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> That's super scary. Yeah. And this was, this was in September, so I'm assuming it's like a little bit rainy a little gloomy yes, and yes you know you can you can hear the sound of cars splashing water as it rolls past you know mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just setting the stage yeah, yeah. so um that's dope though that you've been there so like yeah. hopefully this gives you even more of a, a visual then it- so he's poked by this umbrella the guy says sorry picks it up goes across the street disappears this incident does stay in his brain because he mm-hmm. does 
talk about it later to like his colleagues and his wife and he's like yeah it was just really weird some dude bumped into me with his umbrella tip mm-hmm. you know like whatever <laughs> yeah so wild story so guys his, <laughs> right right <laughs> i know they're probably all drinking together and like markov you're yes. a playwright this story sucks yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway he you know makes it home for the day mm-hmm. he doesn't feel anything but just as a lot of our other stories go it's several hours later mm-hmm. that the things start to happen like stuff oh, starts to settle in so it's like about nighttime now and he's in bed and he just he f- still feels the pain in his leg mm. a very severe sickness overtakes him of course he has a fever and he just starts to deteriorate like once he starts feeling symptoms He Mm -hmm. starts to deteriorate so quickly and they rush him to the hospital. And the moment he gets to the hospital, just like evening comes and a severe sickness falls over him. He has fever. He has chills. One symptom set in. Mm -hmm. He deteriorates very quickly and is immediately rushed Mm -hmm. to the hospital. And just like all our other stories of people getting rushed to the hospital, the first thing Markov says, he tells the doctor, I think I've been poisoned. And he just knows. He, like, just knows. But the doctors and, you know, hospital folks at the time, they're like, Uh we're not sure. Like, let's really make sure we assess this. They felt a little bit doubtful that it was poison. But they were doing the best they could to remedy, you know, those symptomatic things. So, like, the fever and his, like sickness and gastrointestinal pain or whatever stuff that could happen with rice and poisoning. Yeah, yeah. Why was he so sure that he had been poisoned? So uh, according to some of those Guardian articles, there are colleagues that stated post posthumously from Marco that, that they were like, you know, he did actually feel a little paranoid. He did feel that mm. there were people from the Bulgarian communist, you know, secret service that were out to get him. Sure. And he was very wow. he was pretty aware of like how much impact his broadcasting could have. Okay. So he okay. did feel like he might be threatened. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Just kind of always looking over over his shoulder, which in this mm-hmm. case did not help him. <laughs> he wasn't looking over his shoulder at that exact moment. At the all. umbrella exactly. punctured his leg. <laughs> exactly. It's just a little too late with the head turn. It's anyway. just a little too late. Sorry. It's a good song. <laughs> it is. JoJo. Yeah. <laughs> not JoJo Siwa for you youngsters. Mm-hmm. Different JoJo. And then he tells the doctor also about this continuous pain in his leg. And he actually is pretty specific. He's like, I think I was poisoned by a toxic dart because he knows wow. like that the pain was so sharp in his leg. He's like, something must have poked me and something must have gone to my bloodstream through like some sort of minute injection. Yeah, or something like definitely. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the forensic pathologist that was there who... There's actually a BBC interview of this pathologist from 2016. That's um, dope. That I watched. It's four minutes long, so it's actually really easy. Like that's super cool. Yeah, but um, this forensic pathologist, his name is Doctor Bernard Riley. He's the one who examines Markov, and Mm. he's the one who ultimately contacts Scotland Yard because he knows that Markov has a status as a defector, and Scotland Yard is the you know they're the ones who deal with investigations around people who are defectors. So in this BBC interview from 2016, 
Dr. Bernard Riley, he recounts his analysis of Markov and he remembers Markov saying like, oh, I think I was poisoned. So at the time he's like trying to deduce, he's like, it can't be cyanide. Like if it is a poison, like it can't be cyanide be dead. Yeah. because it's too quick. Right. Exactly. Right. Because it's too quick and it can't be arsenic because it's too slow. And so he actually goes home that night and Harini, you're going to love this piece. You're going to love this. I'm ready. So <laughs> Dr. Bernard Riley goes home that night and he's kind of like talking about this case to his wife and like sure. how it's confusing HIPAA violations abound <laughs> his wife actually jokes she's like oh you should read more Agatha Christie and no yeah. I <laughs> love goes, that you should read more Agatha Christie she's and right it, it turns <laughs> out she had been reading an Agatha Christie novel during this time called The House and the Lurking Death which oh. in references rice and poisoning. What? And then that makes it click for Dr. Riley. He's like, oh, like, okay, that's could be an option. Oh my God. They're meant to be. I know. <laughs> so a fun little piece in that. Yeah, I, love I loved that. it. I loved that. So that's what is the initial like tip off for this investigation. But it takes, you know, all these things take a long time. So Actually, within the three days of hospitalization, Markov does pass away. You know, he's in the hospital for three days and they're trying to alleviate all these symptoms mm-hmm. and he still passes away. Okay. So once he passes away, that allows for Scotland Yard to do a full autopsy. You know, they do the blood sure. work. They do the blood work and the results show that, yes, there is acute blood poisoning and that is ultimately the cause of death for Markov. Mm -hmm. They also do a biopsy of the part of his leg that was stinging because as Dr. Riley had noticed, he was like, even when Markov passed, that part of his leg still was raised. Like there's like a little raised bump. Um, Like there was the swelling didn't reduce. It was just kind of like a weird thing. So they do a biopsy of that skin. And when they're dissecting it, a teeny, teeny little metal ball falls out onto like the lab table and this ball was about like it's like a pellet (laughs) 1.52 millimeters in size that is like imagine a ballpoint pen the tip of a ballpoint pen Mm -hmm. teeny weeny like so small and teeny so weeny, t- very <laughs> the, the exact scientific clinical term that they use. Yeah. No, I the other it. way I could describe it, like for, for no, no, viewers no. to really picture. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. For viewers to really picture the size of this, imagine like the point of a needle sort of thing. Like yeah. it's small. So they take this little pellet and they put it under a microscope and they see that there are two holes drilled into this pellet about 0.35 millimeter holes right what the hell they deduce that yes it probably was ricin poisoning and the ricin was placed within these holes and these holes were likely sealed with some sort of sugar adhesive because Mm. when the when the pellet is in the the umbrella mechanism you don't want mm-hmm. the ricin to spill out, so you need to seal it. Correct. But how do you get the ricin to get into the bloodstream? So using the sugar adhesive, it will melt once it makes contact with your internal temperatures, oh thus allowing God. the ricin to leak out. <laughs> what the <laughs> it's like the Sour Patch Gummies commercials. Like, first it's sweet, then it's sour. Or no, it's actually first it's sour, it's then the it's opposite. sweet, but it's opposite. I know. <laughs> This is the bad version. No, no, no. No, I think that's great because it's the opposite. This is 
This is why we like Sour Patch Kids and yes. we don't like rice and pellets. Correct. Correct. <laughs> we need the sweetness after. after. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are interested, there is a whole schematic of the actual umbrella and its mechanisms that's available on Wikipedia. Or even if you just Google Bulgarian umbrella, it's there. I don't think it's like that impressive of a mechanism. It just shows like you push the trigger on the umbrella and then like a spring vaults air to push the right, pellet right. into someone's skin or whatever. Right. The only way Scotland Yard could for certain claim that Markov's death was murder. Well, they couldn't. Like <laughs> they, they couldn't claim it was murder. They're like, OK, yeah. the, it is odd that there's a pellet. Obviously, it's mysterious circumstances. His death is not natural causes. Those are all the things they know, but they couldn't really tie it all together just yet. But they finally do because apparently, not apparently, factually, (laughs) because 10 days prior to Markov's assassination, there was another Bulgarian defector, a man by the name of Vladimir Kostov, who had been shot or felt like he was shot with something in Paris while he was at the Paris mm. metro station. So totally different country, but yeah. same, you know, Bulgarian defector. And when he went in to the hospital or whatever, they did pull almost an identical small pellet about like 1.5 millimeters with holes in it yeah. that had like ricin in it. Mm-hmm. And Scotland Yard was notified about that case. And then they're like, okay, it's too much of a coincidence, clearly. This was a clear hit on Markov. And so that's how they were able to pull it all together. To this day, Mm -hmm. they do not know who the assassin was or is. The assassin, all we know about him is that he was a man with a heavy accent and he was big and like heavy built out. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. if it's heavy set, but kind of like a just a thicker dude is how it seems to describe him. He's at large to this day at large i know (laughs) whatever the word is yeah no unless unless he has died of old age at this point but they they never knew or found out who was markov's assassin and then the other bulgarian guy kostov in paris Mm. he was not hit with an umbrella he his incident as he recounts it is that he heard kind of like a crack in the air similar to like the cracking of like an airsoft gun or something like that like a gun sound right and he thinks that someone like shot the pellet into his right side of his back got it Mm -hmm. that to me is so honestly this story sort of reminds me of the kim jong nam episode because Mm. the reason why is because it almost feels like this was a practice run with this mm. other defector guy like they refined it from then because i think you're right like they probably shot him literally with like a type of gun like a pellet gun right and then right. they're like this is too obvious it makes too much noise yeah. we need to refine it into something that's more like concealable into this umbrella yeah i love that theory or you know thought analysis because like i didn't really think anything of it i because i was just like oh they're both defectors and maybe yeah. this I didn't do much research on Kostov, but I think that he was a dissident as well. Like he Mm -hmm. was vocal about not supporting communist Bulgaria and stuff like that. But but you could be right. Like maybe he didn't have as much influence as uh, Markov. So they're like, why don't we just test it on this dude? Mm -hmm. If he doesn't Mm -hmm. die, like whatever. We'll get it right for Markov. So that other guy did die, right? No. So Kostov lived. Kostov lived. And yeah, maybe I'm, I'm wondering, like, maybe you're right. Maybe if he was shot from a distance, maybe the pellet didn't reach a depth enough that could have been critical. Maybe the pellet was too superficial 
in the skin. Yeah. But that, I mean, when we talk about the toxicity, part of me is like, maybe not because ricin is just so toxic that yeah. no matter which way it's served, you'd be impacted. So it could be that or it could be like they didn't develop their their sugar film yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like maybe when it was getting shot through the air, the ricin just fell out. <laughs> yeah, it could have been just like, oh, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Just like nothing there. But clearly he still did get sick. Yeah. But yeah. not yeah. not to that point. That that also lends me to think that this was a trial run because we're like, okay, like, like it didn't kill him. We have to like do, we have to up it up a notch. Right, right. So up it up um, a notch. Turn it up a notch, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I understood what you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so at this point, culturally, historically, it is believed mm-hmm. that the assassin either was a Bulgarian Secret Service agent or even part of the KGB. And the reason why this is believed is because after these events, a former KGB agent slash defector came forward mm-hmm. publicly and it was like, oh, I gosh. truly think this may have been done by KGB under the direction of Todor Zivkov, the Bulgarian party leader. And this was like a weird but fun tidbit that I came across. September 7th, the day that the assassination happened, Mm -hmm. happens to be the birthday of Zivkov. So it's like, ooh, (laughs) maybe he's like, my birthday wish is for Markov to be assassinated. I know, no, what the hell? Very morbid yeah, so, birthday wishes. I know. <laughs> anyway, Some people want uh, ponies. Also, it's kind of a fool's errand to identify the... I mean, I don't know. I think he's a fool, mm-hmm. fool's errand to identify the assassin because clearly he's not the freaking mastermind, right? But oh, I yeah, understand yeah. that like identifying the assassin may trace back to the actual person Mm. but it's also i'm also like when you said that i was also thinking like who's this poor soul who was tasked with this you know like this very deadly mission like half the time they're like not wanting to do the thing you know they just like have to do it so yeah just an unfortunate situation all around any if there are any hired assassins out there that want to tell us what really goes (laughs) through your mind when you do these things and if you really are like man i got paid for another job i hate my life like yeah let us know because we, we promise we won't tell we won't tell anybody yeah. just tell us yeah it's just a whole thing. also i didn't know that you could defect from the kgb i didn't think that was an option so that's yeah. very interesting to know apparently, apparently you can't i think you can technically defect from anything it's just like defect and live though oh mm. uh, yeah i mean uh, if there's anyone out there who's a defector <laughs> and wants to talk to us about this no, our, don't expose our gmail yourself. is that shit is poison it. at gmail.com yeah. oh we're absolutely <laughs> worth it do send us emails <laughs> no all good all good okay so the last thing i want to say about the the actual story about markov mm-hmm. is for some reason since this event which mm-hmm. i think during the late 70s when when it happened this was like hot huge news highly publicized yes. especially because it happened in the uk of someone who was like a very prominent broadcaster there are rumors still to this day that people believe markov was some sort of double agent an agent for bulgaria but actually secretly working for the uk sort of thing like people believe that he was a double agent and um that's why he was targeted but Mm -hmm. this is something that has not ever been backed by solid evidence okay the reason why i'm doing the story today is because my buddy Phil, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually is the one who was like, oh, there's like this story about this, you know, Bulgarian guy who was assassinated in London. And I think he was a double agent or something. And so yeah. actually that is disputed. Like that's it's not proven that he was ever a double agent. So got it. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the story of the assassination. It is it is pretty cool in terms of like the espionage aspect, yes. and the whole umbrella and the pellet and mm-hmm. all that. That's super cool. Let's talk about ricin. Yes, because ricin. I will tell you, <laughs> I almost I'm almost like okay because my story before this was the dioxin, right? Right. I'm like, let me just go back to nerve agents because that is simple to me. Like <laughs> dioxin and and ricin. Ricin is so complex on a cellular mm-hmm. level so many things i was reading that just went over my head so i'm yeah. gonna talk about ricin incredibly basically like yeah, basic. yeah so ricin what is it it mm-hmm. is a highly potent plant toxin yes. produced from the seeds of the castor oil plant okay correct i think that's pretty common knowledge its median lethal dose, aka LD50, for humans is mm-hmm. one milligram per kilogram. Oh my fucking god. That's teeny weeny. <laughs> that is teeny weeny. <laughs> That's so, gonna be the name of the episode. Teeny weeny. Teeny weeny. <laughs> so literally, as stated in Breaking Bad, which I think rejuvenated the popularity slash interest in ricin because it's what? featured in Breaking Bad. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, yeah. That when I first thought about ricin, my brain goes Breaking Bad. I've never That's, seen Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. God damn it. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's too dark to for my soul. <laughs> I understand. Take your yeah. time with it when you're ready. When I'm ready. It's, Thank you. It Thank is available. You. Okay. For those of you who are familiar with how ricin is referenced in Breaking Bad, ricin powder the size of a few grains of table salt mm-hmm. can kill an adult mm-hmm. human. Oh, like yeah. that is enough. Think about, you know, back to the size of the pellets and how I described them. Mm-hmm. Those were so small i put in my notes capitalized tiny <laughs> that's all i have to say like just know it does not take a lot of ricin to like yeah. make an impact on a, on a human no structurally it is a type 2 ribosome inactivating protein which no. i find hilarious because Why? the acronym for ribosome inactivating protein is r-i-p <laughs> Yes. science people it is r-i-p okay oh my god i love that yeah so what does that mean ribosome and activating protein well first mm-hmm. i'm gonna add another semi-large word to this okay it's a heterodimeric protein and this is important here because heterodimeric that means that ricin is composed of two polypeptide chains that differ in Mm -hmm. composition and function Mm -hmm. so just for people that need visuals and this Mm -hmm. is not like science visuals but this is how i process the information imagine however you picture ricin like a grain of powder or whatever just picture that grain of powder and imagine that it has like two little strings hanging off of it this is not science but this is like (laughs) this is megan science megan science corner (laughs) those two strings they're it's polypeptide chains okay Mm -hmm. one string is called chain a and chain A is the chain that fucks you up. Like, that's the <laughs> killer, okay? Yeah, yeah. Chain B is what they, they call it. It has lectin properties, which means that mm-hmm. it attaches to carbohydrates on the cell surface. So yes, you've got correct. your little ricin molecule with its two mm-hmm. little chains. Chain B, think of it as the hacker. It's going to hack that cell surface by yes. connecting to the carbohydrate on the cell surface. It gives you Once the invite hacks- into the party. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. So once chain B hacks into the cell, that allows for chain A 
aka like the virus if we're gonna use the like yes, computer programming yes. lingo mm-hmm. the Love virus it. to go into the cell and just fuck shit up exactly and what, is, what does fuck shit up mean <laughs> um <laughs> it means that once that chain has access to your cell it inactivates your ribosomes yeah if we all remember basic biology and the cell the ribosome mm-hmm. the <laughs> nucleus and the yeah. mitochondria all yes. that stuff golgi apparatus the ribosome Ooh. is what's responsible for protein synthesis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and ricin inhibits protein synthesis and that's no bueno that's no bueno because mm-hmm. without protein synthesis which is like the main component of cell life your literally cell, everything mm-hmm. yeah it just leads to cell death like without yes. protein synthesis there is cell death so going yeah. all the way back i had said t- it is a type 2 ribosome inactivating protein an rip it just means it's <laughs> causing cell death <laughs> so no that is that is extremely mm-hmm. deadly the thing is like you have mm-hmm. to understand it's just kind of wild to know that the reason why it's so poisonous is probably it's because of this because when you look at the whole food chain of our whole body when it attacks something in your cell like the basic cell single mm-hmm. cell like point a that is how you know it's extremely deadly because it's starting at the beginning of the food chain and then it fucks right. everything up thereafter right right so it's yes. not like how the past toxins we've talked about how they impact like a a receptor or something correct, like that correct. you know or um Whatever. That's downstream. Yeah, like receptors yeah. and neurotransmitters, those are downstream right. of everything else that mm-hmm. we're talking about right now. Like proteins are the building blocks of everything that we're built upon, like as humans. So that is the most basic way I can talk about how ricin operates Lovely. and why it is toxic. Love it. And I hope that all makes sense. Ricin is toxic any which way you serve it, whether that's <laughs> injected, <laughs> inhaled. Yeah, injected, inhaled, or ingested. It's toxic uh-huh. always. Obviously, depending on how it is given to you will will affect your symptoms and okay. the amount of time it may take for the symptoms to start. Apparently, survivability of ricin poisoning is a little bit higher if you take mm. it orally. Yeah. Okay. So if you ingest ricin, symptoms will include inflammation, gastrointestinal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and the the symptoms that come from excessive diarrhea and stuff like that like liquid loss you're going to mm-hmm. have disorientation weakness fatigue right. all those things right if you inhale it or inhale or get it have it injected into your body mm-hmm. you're going to see more things like lung pain asthma fever mm. congestion chest tightness skin irritation things like that yeah antidotes for ricin do exist but they are not fully tested on humans because they probably didn't have a lot of opportunities (laughs) yeah and so also like i you know reading up on the markov story there was a lot of sentiment of like he was going to die anyway because they just didn't have an antidote at the time uh, for ricin poisoning at all Mm -hmm. so so i know i've been a little vague about like antidotes do exist currently for it but what i know is that the uk military or something has created something but they haven't tested it on humans Mm -hmm. and the u.s military has created an antidote but it's been tested on mice so i just don't know where we're at with like actually administering it to right people what we do have are symptomatic antidotes so if you get if you get poisoned with ricin and you're experiencing that that gi problem the diarrhea and stuff like that there are antidotes for that 
to to yeah. actually just ease the pain right. and the symptoms. Those antidotes would include, you know, having an IV put into you. You know, medications for seizures and low blood pressure are sometimes given. Apparently, activated charcoal is one to, mm-hmm. you know, calm the stomach, right? That's what activated charcoal is for. Calming no, stomach? it's meant to, like, get you to expel anything. Like, it, it makes you throw up. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then for, like, if it's inhaled, assisted ventilation. Apparently, most survivors of ricin do develop long-term organ damage. Yeah. That's so unfortunate. I think that's it. I think I just flew through that. <laughs> yeah, there's no antidote for it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that makes sense, given how it affects the protein synthesis. It I must think have it's... not, like, penetrated all the way then or something. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe our theory that the ricin fell out of the... <laughs> I love that theory. In the air. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> I think with all toxins slash poisons, since I've been learning more and more about toxins and poisons, like, I feel like there are always going to be scenarios where someone survives, right? Yeah. And all going to depend on like what was the dosage what what treatment did they get mm-hmm. immediately or how long after right yeah i mean i don't know i he survived for a reason just like yeah alexei navalny survived for a reason it's you know? true or sometimes Yashenko don't know. survived for a reason so <laughs> yeah who meant knows? to be meant to be yeah that is freaking wild or that was a quick one which i actually really love <laughs> yeah yeah i it was it was to the point yeah. No pun intended for this story. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. And this was obviously like a story I was very interested in because I was thinking about mm. doing this one because I had seen it on Spycraft and was just so, yeah. whoa, that's freaking crazy. Did you watch the that episode of Spycraft? I, I did. I totally stopped because I like, you know how Netflix, when you go onto your account, you can see how far in an episode you got before you click on it. I only yeah. got like five minutes in and then i must have stopped watching <laughs> yeah because I, I watched it first on there and i was like this is really this is a really cool story yeah. that particular episode of spycraft it didn't just talk about that it talked about like poisons no. and like exactly specifically about poison so yeah. exactly yeah my biggest takeaway ultimately is fear of ricin just like i have a fear of tcdd and now and because absolutely i I feel like you can survive a nerve agent at this point, you know, mm-hmm. like I think I feel confident about that right. too. Whereas like TCDD and ricin, I'm like, because hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that often at all. It's just like people are like, oh, well, we don't know what to do if you if you get poisoned by this, you know, right. You're on your yeah. own. <laughs> exactly. Which is pretty scary. I think that's what makes it most scary. But also your visual of three grains of salt is enough mm. to kill. Like I think that we're okay. invincible. But when it comes to like three grains of like salt worth of ricin, yeah. then we are just like we're undone. Yeah. We're just literally undone. We are unraveled yeah. by our protein at the protein I level. Know. That is unreal. Pretty terrifying. And then that is crazy. Some quick little history facts yes, about ricin. There was, I think in 2013, there was a ricin assassination attempt on president obama through mail like there was ricin oh, laced mail that was sent with you know the the goal to be sent to president obama and also one of the senators for mississippi as well mm. like three parcels of mail with rice in it were sent to like a senator from mississippi and president obama and then another senator god but those were all obviously what is that word <laughs> not confiscated 
they were Inter- intercepted intercepted yeah yeah <laughs> i was like they were intercepted i'm like what <laughs> we should play uh what's the word charades <laughs> the game? charades or yeah um the one where you click the buzzer if you say oh you say taboo the, the, the taboo list. taboo yeah Man. should be on taboo together yeah but those were intercepted i thought that was interesting if you wikipedia ricin there is a whole or ricin poisoning there is a whole list of events listed oh my god <laughs> of when ricin was involved <laughs> i didn't think it was uh, gonna be a whole list damn oh september 2020 a package containing ricin was addressed to President Donald Trump and it was intercepted by law enforcement in Washington, What? DC. Yeah. Apparently a Canadian woman suspected of sending it was arrested <gasps> when she tried to cross to the Canadian-U.S. border. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's a very Canadian like... did this. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Like, we don't hear about these things. We do not. And then I'm, now I'm just like reading the list. But now I, know. I was right. In, in 2018... Same mm-hmm. scenario, you know, mail was addressed to President Donald Trump and a, Ted Cruz and like a bunch of other wow folks in Washington with rice in, in it. So oh, it, yeah, it's probably really common for these things to not be shared out just so mm-hmm. that like the public doesn't panic or so that there's no copycat attempts, right? Right, uh, right. Yeah, so right. if you, Poison Pals, if you're all interested in just seeing like contemporary ricin attempts, assassination attempts or poisoning attempts, like just type in list of incidents involving ricin and a wikipedia page will come up for that if you can think it it's probably on the internet (laughs) and yes the president obama incident was in 2013 cool okay all right cool i mean cool as in i got my date right yes correct correct that's it for me thanks for listening (laughs) megan's like i'm out of here goodbye no (laughs) all right we can go into our antidotes of the week megan thank you so much for that story that was totally all right that was quite a ride and i was super excited to hear that one because that was that was on the list the Mm. poison list okay yeah so going straight into antidotes so i'm actually excited to share my antidote of this (laughs) week i got my hair cut and colored but at two different uh-huh. places. So I, I got double the enjoyment <laughs> of going to the salon. But yeah. for people who, who know me, I I really splurge on my hair. Like I really love like getting my hair done, getting my hair cut and colored. Like it's just like a very self-care moment for me. So yeah. not being able to go to the salon for a year was really difficult. Finally, like, dude, now's the time. Now's the time. So let's get mm-hmm. it done. So I went to a nearby salon where I live in the, in San Francisco and it was called Perfect Cut Salon. And the Aww. guy was just like, the, the owner himself had cut my hair, which was awesome. And he was just like so into his craft of cutting hair. Mm. He was so awesome he was like i'm gonna and he was just like very poetic he's like i'm gonna make your hairs connect your hair are gonna connect in <laughs> harmony and he kept doing this with my hair i know you guys can't oh. see this right now he kept fluffing my hair. He's like look look at this look at this beautiful it's beautiful and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. it's it's great it's great and he's like it's great but it's not perfect so here we go oh. and then he just like goes oh in God. and starts like doing all this Fuck. magic and he's just yeah. like going ham and you can just tell he's in his element and i was loving it i'm like yeah you make it perfect you make it perfect so that was that it's that whole thing i got yeah. my hair cut there i went to the salon to get my in oakland called i want to give them a shout out because they were awesome good body salon in oakland mm. it is mm. a black owned salon for mm. 
for black female hair. Uh, yes. they, and it's not just for them, but it's it's like a mm-hmm. safe space for mm-hmm. uh, black females to get their hair done, just like make them feel mm-hmm. great and fresh and cool. Like everyone that works there like understands black hair uh, mm-hmm. so that they can like get their hair done and just feel good. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so... I go there mm-hmm. and I was the only one there because I had to go after hour, like after work and they're like basically closing up shopping around that time. So I kind of had this solo salon experience, which was kind mm-hmm. of relaxing, mm-hmm. but they treated me, dude. Like they totally mm-hmm. treated me as much as they could within the pandemic scenario. Mm-hmm. And it is the classiest salon mm-hmm. I've ever been to. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just had a really really nice time so that is my antidote of the week so thank thank y'all thank y'all good body (laughs) yeah i know how much harini does she does indulge when it comes to Mm -hmm. the hair care Mm -hmm. like that is critical and she's always had gorgeous hair like so so my question is is it short though because like and i Poison Pals, I don't know if you can hear like disbelief in my voice because Harini has always had a certain length. Like she likes it like that. A little, I would say almost, sometimes I feel like your hair is longer than chest level, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's definitely been trained. Like now it's just like boob length, but before it was butt length. So we've we've cut some stuff off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, In my head, I'm thinking, actually, I, I always go through a stage in my hair growth life, whatever. Mm-hmm. With my hair i i am not as um caring towards my hair as harini is mm-hmm. but i do go through moments where i'm like i just want to fucking dye this whole thing the problem oh. is my hair is like black and so <laughs> dyeing it any lighter tone costs some money like, yeah it costs some money but i will say yeah. there was a year megan had um i tried to pink go hair yeah Wait. It was, it was pink, like right? champagne. It was, it was champagne. champagne. Oh, no, yeah, like it was champagne. champagne. Sorry. It was a yeah. pink champagne. And guys, Megan looked so freaking good. Like, oh, thank so you. good. <laughs> I was so obsessed with her hair. And like, she rocked this really awesome Halloween outfit that year with that hair. And I was like, oh my God, you're so hot. So, oh, yes. oh you mean like the pink wig that I had? The, the pink wig? wig. But you also had, it was like a I mixture of both. Like, in general, yeah. I'm just like thinking like, yeah, Megan, yeah. like having different hair color really suits her because she can just rock it. So oh, thank you. We yeah. Were, and we I just trailblazers with our hair. No, I know. <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> I just I, every year or two years will pass and I get this itch of like, I just want to do something drastic. Yeah. It's, it's not just like a simple lightning. Like mm-hmm. I want to go platinum, yes. but I've only tried that once and I never got to platinum and I actually like didn't feel like myself. But oh, OK. Yeah. But uh, maybe we'll see. We'll see. Anyways, my <laughs> antidote. My antidote is I, I work in higher education, mm-hmm. aka a college, and we are entering spring break. And my antidote is just like, I am happy to just take a week. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Relax and uh, do whatever I want to do. Take yeah. time for myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hell, maybe during this time, I might actually go and think about dyeing my hair. But. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 But that's pretty much it. That's it's not as. Not as no, it's just as good. As Megan. Is, but like, it's just as good. I'm going on vacation mm-hmm. and I am ready to do yes. that. Megan and is like treating a, herself. Yeah. And then like a, a very baby secondary antidote, <laughs> which is, which I feel like does not carry as much like fun and coolness because, okay, 
long story short, I finally have my vaccination appointment scheduled. I'm excited for it. Yeah. I am. But I recognize that like quite a lot of my peers at this point have already been vaccinated. So part of me is just like, I just want to get it done. But uh, ultimately, I have my appointment Mm -hmm. ready. And hell yes. That makes me. That makes. I'm actually really glad you shared that because that makes Mm. me so, so happy that finally everyone else is getting the vaccine because Mm -hmm. the sooner everyone gets their vaccine the sooner we can go back to living our damn lives i know (laughs) and i'm beyond excited to do that yeah so i i have it scheduled um but yesterday i was like fuck it i'm just gonna go and walk into a cvs and see if they have any extras for the the pharmacy yes and they didn't. So I was like, okay, Ugh. next time I'll try a different CVS. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, I, was like, I just went to the wrong CVS, really. Yeah. Megan's doing it right, honestly, because mm-hmm. they, they can't waste their doses. So Megan knows mm-hmm. what's up. So if yeah. if you need a dose and you think you might feel lucky, just pop mm-hmm. into a Walgreens, see if a CVS, a Publix, wherever you are mm-hmm. at in the country, you might just get a vaccine. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. Cool. But you're, you're, that makes me happy you're getting it soon. Yeah. Everyone get vaccinated. All right. That's that. All right, friends. Megan, take us out of this episode. All right, Poison Pals. Don't risk it for that Bulgarian biscuit. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, and uh, but if you like this episode, if you like this episode, please give us a rating and review. Yeah. Give us a rating and review. And also, if you are interested in seeing more inside the episodes, we post images of each episode on our Instagram and our Twitter. Instagram is that shit is poison. And then on Twitter, it's that shits poison. There's no mm-hmm. I as I as mm-hmm. there's no is in there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, follow us on all the things. And if you have a story you want us to do, or you just want to like talk to us about poison, email us at that shit is poison. We love you guys. Poison pals. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.